1: And with me, as always, is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today?
0: Doing great tonight, John. It's uh, right near the end of summertime, or actually, we're in the end, the the last month of the uh, hottest month of summertime, I think. And I'm doing great. Knoxville,
1: Tennessee's never felt better. The dog days of summer, as they say. That's who.
0: That's what they say. But I say it's a great time to be alive here, man. We've got so much stuff happening in the world today. You don't know which way to turn, but it'll keep you on your toes, I
1: guess. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what is going on in the world of uh, JPWA? Because always seeing somebody popping up or popping in. Any more surprises uh, going to be happening? Uh, you never know. That's that's a great thing about uh, the JPWA,
0: and it's a great thing about professional wrestling. There's there are still some places that have uh, surprises and unpredictability, and we're. Um, the, the the one thing that we won't surprise anybody on is training. We're we're still going forward with our, our next class that begins August thirty first and goes through November twentieth and uh we're we're still uh going forward with that and looking forward uh to seeing everybody who's already signed up. We've we've had uh some a great response and it's 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 gonna be a great time I think. So you never know who's going to stop by. Brother Love stopped by this last week, and uh, man, you know the the happenings in the world of wrestling never
1: stop. They just keep on rolling, and I don't like it that way. Think about the Undertaker, then Dustin Rhodes, then Brother Love, aka Bruce Pritchard. Pretty, uh, you know, who's who of wrestling is stopping by J.P.W. Pretty damn cool. I think it's very cool, and you know, Bruce uh,
0: stopped and talked to the guys. Uh, for a while, answer some questions, and uh, the great thing about it is, when when someone comes, we we get the everybody gets a chance to talk to them and and uh, search their mind and and
1: get some knowledge, and I hope they did. Now this episode is sponsored today by a blue chew. A blue chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved. Active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, Blue Chew is made in the good old U.S. of A. It is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in line. It's cheaper than a pharmacy, and they prepare and ship it right to you in a a discreet package. No awkwardness, and you do not need to leave the house. So BlueChew.com, promo code is DOC, D-O-C. The promo code is DOC to try it free. It, you pay just five dollars shipping. Dr. Tom, what do you think? You're a doctor. What do you think about blue Well I I think it's
0: better. You said it was cheaper and I agree with that. And it's certainly faster than any pill you swallow. It's chewable and it, it really does uh give you more confidence where it counts. And and that's the it, it's the fastest and easiest way to enhance your performance in the bedroom. And who doesn't want that? More enhancement in the
1: bedroom is always better, I think. And you can't get better advice than somebody that was once called the heavenly body. You know what I mean? Not at all. Well, of and, course. and a doctor. So yes, yes. Advice.
0: And I was called those for uh, various reasons at various times. So uh, we, we can we can take our choice
1: on that. Yes, and right now, the special deal for our listeners over at BlueChew.com. Like I said, get your first shipment free when you use the promo code DOC. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, blue com promo code DOC, to try it for free. Now, Doc, the first thing that I want to mention to you today, and really the, the topic, but the first thing I want to say is Smoky Mountain Wrestling. feel like you're ingrained forever with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I know I get a bunch of uh, fans, you know, email me or messaging me saying they love when you talk about Smoky Mountain. What is about you in Smoky Mountain? You can never, and obviously JPWA is in the heart of Smoky Mountain. So what is it about you in Smoky Mountain? they just kind of go with, their, uh, you know, the the doctor
0: so hand-in-hand? Well, well, let me say this. You know, I, I grew up in Texas, in West Texas, and then, then we moved to East Texas when I was 10 years old. So I was used to the uh, wild uh wild west style i guess of professional wrestling where it was more blood and guts violence and uh good old wrestling and a lot of the guys i watched growing up uh kind of went back and forth between texas and tennessee so i think it was early on that i felt a connection and of course Smoky Mountain Wrestling was originated and founded by Jim Cornette. So uh, his reputation alone, even though it wasn't around, but what, three, four years? How long was Smoky Mountain around? Five 90,
1: years? Yeah, 91 to 95, so four, four to five years.
0: Okay, so uh, that was that was an opportunity to come in and, and – uh, be connected with Jim Cornette and, of course, Stan Lane. And it was one of the last, not the last, but one of the last real professional wrestling territories. And I make no bones about it. I love the territory system. I love the, uh, being able to go to towns like Knoxville where you had true blue wrestling fans and you had wrestling fans too. And and they they were certainly... A boisterous bunch of people, and they were passionate about wrestling, and and I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the uh, uh, going to the coliseums, going to the uh, National Guard <laughs> in some of these places. It may not have been as big as, and and uh, not that Madison Square Square Garden is necessarily luxurious, but it's certainly mythological. I mean, it, it the garden has that. Um, certain aura to it and anytime you you had the opportunity to go to the garden i was expecting I, i'm not quite sure what i was expecting but when i when i got there i was pleasantly surprised that it was just a big building um and because it's in uh, new york city above penn station i i guess that's where all the uh uh the myth the legend the building come from and it, it, same thing with the uh, smoky mountain wrestling you know we we can romanticize about it all day long but in reality we were going out and doing it uh like the old days going to these towns weekly and sometimes bi-weekly pretty much bi-weekly i guess by that time but uh they had this aura about it the knoxville coliseum had been yeah hell it's still standing they still run shows there so I guess to answer your questions, because uh, I ingratiated myself into Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and I loved it, and I had a great time. And the fans were second to none during that time period, I think. And it was a great place if, if you were young. There were some young guys there, like Chris Candido that came in, Boo Bradley, and uh, you know Tammy, of course. Tammy Sitch was there learning the ropes, and what a better place to learn it And then right here in Knoxville, Tennessee, going up and down the roads and, uh, feeling what it's like to get an education as a professional wrestler, you're not going to be a sports entertainment entertainer here necessarily, but that, that would be later on. So I think that's what it is, John. I just, uh, pretty much fell in love with the smoky mountains in Knoxville and, um,
1: that's that's where I stand, I guess. I love it. And today we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl of Wrestling from Smoky Mountain, August 4th, 1995, 25 years ago. This week, really, I mean, almost to the day. So I love it. It's going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee, of course, at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum. The attendance was 5,000 people. Pretty damn good house, if you look at it. Well, well, <laughs> I
0: guess, but uh, yeah, no, it was a good house. It, it was, it, it was. Again, you have to remember in '95, the the business was certainly changing and and rapidly changing at that. And um, you know, five thousand in, in a coliseum that holds probably three times that. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure Jim would have liked to have had more, but. At the same time, I'm sure he was was happy that five thousand people came out so um it was certainly an a for effort and uh in the match again against um two guys that I had known for a long time at that time uh we knew what to expect we we, we knew how it was gonna uh and we knew how what well, we had our work cut out for us. When we got in the ring because Tracy Smothers is, is as authentic as it gets. And, uh, Tony Anthony was a hell of a worker back then too. So, uh, with 5,000 fans, I wish you could have drawn more, but, um, damn, I thought it was a hell of a match.
1: Now, we will get to that in just one second. I've received these thugs of the Dirty White Boy, Tony Anthony, and Tracy Smothers for the Smoky Mountain mat- Tag Team Championship. But first, I just want to kind of go through the card a little bit and just talk about the other events of the day. So, usually when you get to the arena or you're driving to the arena, you're probably not driving in with the Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, correct? You're driving in probably by yourself?
0: On um, this occasion, that would be true. Normally though, you're, you're by well, yourself well, normally, or normally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy and I had uh <laughs> separate arrangements, separate riding partners. We tried it, uh, but we found out we were better in the ring and uh, let's leave it in the ring. And when, when we get out, you, yeah, I would, I would go my way. He would go his.
1: Yep. So when you get to the show, I'm always curious about this because now you hear like, oh, you got to get to the show seven hours before the show starts. When do you guys actually truly get to the show? A couple hours before the show is scheduled to start?
0: I, I believe back then the rule was get there an hour before, but I remember – uh For any of those shows in Smoky Mountain, if I got there two hours ahead I, I was I was good with that, and I rode with different people too uh we just had Jimmy and I had different friends um and we we hung out together at on at times but uh he would ride with um Brian Hildebrand or someone else because he actually see here's the deal i I lived in Knoxville but Smoky Mountain Wrestling was headquartered in Morristown, Tennessee, about fifty miles away. I didn't want to live in Morristown; I wanted to live in Knoxville. I lived off Paper Mill Road in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh that was close to the things I was familiar with and uh so that that's how that happened. But I would always try to get to the building earlier than necessary I'm just it's, that's pretty much the way I like to do it so um, I was there you, uh, probably for this show, especially, I was probably there maybe an hour and a half, two hours before.
1: The first match on the card is none other than Brian Armstrong, aka The Road Dog, defeating D. Low Brown. Just, just kind of thinking, you know, Brian Armstrong, everyone thinks, like, oh, this guy is so charismatic, what a big star. Um, you know, the New Age Outlaws, the Generation X. But at this point in '95, what were you thinking about Brian Armstrong? Well, I've known all the Armstrongs
0: uh, since since they started, except for Bob. I mean, and and they all have a distinct personality, and all have charisma, and all are witty and and funny, and and uh, uh, can turn on a dime and beat anybody's ass they come in front of. Uh, so Brian was was always. Entertaining, and Brian was always um, uh. He he will say it himself. Brad was the best worker out of the boys, and Brian was the best entertainer out of the boys. The the bullet was in a in a class all by himself. You you put him over here. He he didn't even swim in this pool, and and we all knew that. But you know, when Brian was working in Smoky Mountain, uh, he was in a tag against us in Morristown, Tennessee, and was uh, filming this to get a job in Japan. And we went out there and flew all over the ring for him. Um, And we do that for anybody if they were, if they, if if they understood the business and Brian did. So, yeah, but you know, we all have to start somewhere. And, uh, Brian was getting his feet wet, you know, at, at that time because of, of, uh, Bob and Scott and, um, the whole family, you know, uh, everyone that I know of in the business uh, respects the Armstrong family and certainly respected Bob enough to to give Brian a chance and respected Brian enough because he was always respectful at that time. And, uh, again, we have to start somewhere, and thank God it was here, I guess.
1: Big shoes to fill, to say the least, for uh, Brian Armstrong. Do you think at that point, like, wow, you know, he's going to become a big star? or you thinking, like, eh, we'll, we'll wait and see, and, you know, we'll see how he develops? Uh, you know,
0: see, people have asked me the, that about other people, too. And, it, and it's kind of hard when you see somebody, when they first start out, um, you can tell sometimes the guys who have that extra drive and that extra uh, force behind them. They, they just have it and sometimes you see it sometimes you don't with Brian um, I I think we all felt he certainly was going to land somewhere with a good position but I don't know that any of us again could have said well he's going to be the road dog and one of the uh, more entertaining aspects of uh, one of the more influential cliques in professional wrestling Uh, I don't think we could have ever said that but he definitely had talent back then, and he definitely had the uh, uh, heart for it, and he certainly had the work ethic. And when you saw all those combined, um, again, we, we all anticipated him being uh, uh, a pretty big deal. We just I don't think anyone could have told you he was going to be that big of a deal.
1: Now, d Brown, the guy who loses this match, also becomes a big star for the WWF as well. And you kind of remember him, obviously, when he first started out in Smoky Mountain. as kind of like the, the guy that's going to lose to keep the new Jack and the Mustafa's of the world strong and the gangsters keep them strong. So it's interesting kind of right to see his development, too.
0: Yeah, and, and that's that's really how it works. Looking back on the history of
1: the business, if you
0: look at... Uh, the guys who started out doing jobs and and doing the favors and um, uh, being positioned to work with guys that knew what they were doing, like the Undertaker and uh, Hulk Hogan, even it 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 works out that way because uh, in the beginning everyone is checking your attitude. What what will your attitude be towards the business, and uh, how will you react when you're you're asked? a.k.a. told, uh, to do the job, and you don't want to do it. So that, I think, has a huge – well, I think temperament and attitude have uh, the, the biggest impact on one's career because you can go one of many, many ways and down many, many roads, and uh, not all roads will lead you t- to success. And not all, you know. Sometimes you may find your your way down a a dark, dreary, scary road, and and somebody will uh, come along and uh, pick you up and get you back in the right path. And and that's happened to a lot of guys. So um, yeah, Dilo started out the same way. You know uh, that that many many people uh, pretty much start out and find out that uh, uh, there's got to be a better way. And uh, there was.
1: The next matchup, the Headbangers of Mosh and Thrasher defeat Chris Michaels and Flash Flanagan. The Headbangers, of course, would be former WWE Tag Team Champions. What did you think about those guys? Did you kind of see that? Like, okay, you know, these guys are good. They know what they're doing. Um, definitely a good tag team, maybe a little bit of a weird gimmick, but definitely kind of have what it takes—you know, what it takes to be a WWE superstar.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, the Headbangers—they were—they were always good guys. They were fun. They were uh, a lot, real happy all the time, and they—they were—they were good to be around. And um, uh, you could tell uh, if they got in a great locker room or, or around some guys who. Uh, could help them they they would have this uh willingness and passion for the business that they um uh they they would certainly wind up uh successful somewhere and they did you know they they had a great run in WWE and they were happy and passionate about what they were doing so uh i think they did pretty good and i i liked them they're very good
1: What do you think about Chris Michaels? I feel like that's kind of a blast in the past and a name that people probably may not even remember.
0: Well, yeah, Chris,
1: I I think, was one
0: of those guys who enjoyed wrestling. But uh, when it came down to, I think, really finding a personality and being a guy that um, uh, was going to understand that, They'll tell you one thing and tell you something completely the opposite um and not not to let it rattle you and not to let it uh, throw you off balance you have to under- you pretty much had to realize that pretty quick, and I don't know if Chris wanted to play all the games, and um you know that that was my take on it. I never discussed it with him or anything like that, but Chris seemed more like he was uh, a little more serious than he needed to be at times and uh, so that that might have hindered him somewhat, but that's just my guess, and that's just uh, what I'm uh, getting out of it. So he, he was, but he because I say that because he wrestled around uh, these parts for a long time and kind of stayed that same guy, never made any changes or seemed to have the ambition to uh, uh, to to go
1: farther. What about Flash Flanagan, a guy that was on the WWE radar forever, wrestled for WWE quite a bit, a little bit 97, a little bit 98, a little bit 99, a little bit 2000, 2001, kind of was a guy that they used to uh, help some of the guys like Randy Orton or Mark Henry, you know, when they're actually on Sunday Night Heat or house shows. I mean, he was one of those guys that would kind of help them along, but was never really destined to really be. A W superstar for whatever reason, because I kind of think he's a little bit underrated, but what are your thoughts on Flash flying again? Well,
0: well, I agree that Flash is underrated, but, but let me tell you a quick story here, because, you know, when I was in talent relations, I used to get, back when they had VHS and then DVDs, we used to get um, sometimes 20, may, some some weeks maybe 10, uh, and some weeks, 30, 40 DVDs. I mean, a week. Now, I didn't think there were that many people out there, but there are. Uh, and some would be great. Some would be not so great. So if you didn't catch my, get my attention in the first minute, I didn't have a whole lot of time to go down and watch. They They would send 30-minute hour tapes. I'm like, no, 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 no. Give me one minute. Give me a match. Give me a promo. That's it. Um, and Flash was, was still trying to uh, get in the developmental system, and uh, he, he was in OVW, I think, at that time, but was not under contract. And he asked me about this. I saw him in Indianapolis a couple of years ago. We talked, and he said, do you remember a DVD I or CD or whatever, VHS, uh, where what I did was in, in the middle of the match... I put 30 seconds of porn in there of this girl and uh, wanted to see if anybody would watch it. And I said, to be honest with you, no, I didn't. It, it, it was it was overwhelming. And uh, we we would watch, we'd see, look at the pictures, and Kevin Kelly was there at the time too, I think. And, you know, sometimes Kevin would take the time to watch him, but other times um, there were other things that took precedent. So we would put a day aside to watch all this stuff. But after a while, um, it it pretty much runs into each other because you see the same, the same thing over and over and over. And some were in the backyard and some were in a, a gym with, with literally four people sometimes, five people. Now, not that that's everybody has to start somewhere, but but you would think if you were applying for a job uh, for, at the for the biggest wrestling company in the world at that time, I guess you you would understand what we're looking for, and not everybody did. So uh, anyway, Flash told me about that, and we kind of laughed about it. But I, I thought Flash was certainly uh, criminally underrated. He had the size. Uh, he had the ability. He just, um, I, some things happen the way they happened. And however it was, he, he just uh, got passed over. He was signed at one time, but he just
1: uh, got passed over. I love that. sneak it in the porn to see if you guys are paying yes. attention. I love that.
0: Yeah, and I, yeah, don't put it past him.
1: I don't put it
0: past him at all, you know. And and that's that's I agree. If I was going to send a tape or DVD, DVD into somebody, I I would want them to watch it all too. But the volume we were getting at that time, and the quality, <laughs> the quality we would get sometimes, ah, uh, gosh, man. After an hour of sitting there trying to watch all of it, you go, wow, we're not going to make it through this day and have to do our other job too. It's just, it was
1: it was a lot. So. Now the next matchup, of course, this is the Super Bowl of wrestling. So it's not just Smoky Mountain. You got a little USWA, you got a little NWA, you got a little MTW. I mean, you got everything going on here. So the USWA tag titles run the line next, and PG thirteen of JC Ice and Wolfie D defeat Curtis Thompson and Jackie Folden, which is possibly the weirdest combination I've ever seen be put together. But PG thirteen get the win for the USWA. Tag Team Titles, they defend their crown. What do you think about PG-13? Because I love Wolfie, and uh, J.C. Ice is a little bit of a nut job.
0: Ah, yeah, but once again, uh, when you're talking about wrestling in the 80s and 90s, and that's when PG-13, I think, uh, pretty much were born or... um, Emerged, whatever we want to call it, that was pretty much standard fare uh, for that time because both of those guys were learning, and they were uh, good, good, good guys.
1: Mm-hmm. I just yep. think
0: they were their maturity at that time uh, had yet to be <laughs> developed, and um, I, I like Jamie uh, J.C. Uh, J. Ice, but. And I like Wolfie. And they they were they were very good guys, uh, but uh, so uh, anyway, uh, they they we worked with them a couple times too for the Smoky Smoky Mountain versus USWA later on as well, mm-hmm. or, uh, and and they were talented, but uh, I think as happens to a lot of us, you. You get off track sometimes and and when people will try to pull you back and 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 uh uh get you back on the right path um it doesn't always work and Jamie Dundee certainly grew up in a in a wild environment and wolfie had you know a lot of things happen in his life too so uh that's that's kind of the way I look at it and they, i I thought they were very talented I thought they were uh exceptionally uh, talented, especially for their, their age and their experience. And uh, both good guys, but Jamie is out of his mind. And, um, <laughs> you know, that, that that happens on occasion. And I don't condone 95% of what Jamie ever did in his life because he's been completely uh, out on that tree branch, just just jumping up and down, begging it to break,
1: daring it to
0: break and that's the way he lived his life outside the ring too so
1: and Curtis Thompson and Jackie Cole I mean talking about just the two guys thrown together I mean Curtis obviously uh former USWA champion and former uh, WCW United States tag team champion as a firebreaker chip, but it just thrown him in there with Jackie Fulton. I'm not sure if there was an injury or something was going on
0: there. Something had to be going on because I don't know why Tommy wouldn't have come in, but maybe Curtis was just in territory uh, in Memphis and they, they wanted to send him with Jackie. Maybe, maybe Bobby didn't want to do it. I don't, I don't know the specifics of that necessarily, but, but Curtis was one of those guys um I knew Curtis. I wrestled Curtis a couple times. But he was one of those guys who uh, jacked up, looked great. Uh, you, you, you have to know the rest of it. You, you can look great, but if you can't um, tie your shoes or or walk uh, and chew chew gum at the same time, you might have, have a problem he wasn't he wasn't terrible bad but he wasn't uh i don't think he ever grasped what the idea of this business really was i mean he, he i i think his idea was and this is just again my speculating was that uh he looked great he should be in the main event and he should be a superstar he didn't have to learn anything he just had to show up and be the star and everybody's gonna swoon
1: over him it doesn't work that way as far as the next match, an interesting one, the Punisher, a.k.a. Bull Buchanan, defeats Bullet Bob Armstrong. Interesting kind of uh, outcome to this one. Obviously, Bullet Bob is is a little longer in the tooth here, and the Punisher is getting uh, a bit of a push, I guess, here in Spunky Man. But what are your kind of thoughts and memories of Bull Buchanan back when he was the Punisher back in 95, beating Bullet Bob?
0: Well, I know that Bob, you know, it's obvious Bob liked Bull because um, – He'd put him over. If he didn't like him, mm-hmm. he wouldn't put him over. But but Bull was always, a, a again, one of those Southern guys, uh, great guy, willing to listen, willing to do anything at all, and going to make sure that the match he had with Bob was going to be the best he could do. And I'm sure Bob looked at it as, by God, yeah, let's put this guy over and let's, let's give him an opportunity because Barry had a great attitude, uh, willing to help, do whatever he needed to do, and Bob could see that I'm sure, and um, wanted wanted to do the favor for him, and and it was like that back then. You know, if you came saw a guy that had promise, had size, and uh, you thought, well, hey, this guy could be a star. Let me help and uh, build that stairway for him, and. Uh, be a part of the uh, uh, the solution and and not the problem, and I think that's what Bob thought, and I think we all we all felt that same way about Bob Buchanan. Great guy, good guy to have in the locker room, good guy to travel with, good guy to talk to, and and uh, that that's what you needed.
1: You ever look at a guy like that and be like, oh man, I wonder why WV didn't do more with him. Or do you not even that that never kind of crosses your mind?
0: Well, I, yeah, I, 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 my again, knowing what I know is he was too nice a guy. He he just never um, said no and went along with everything that they said. And <laughs> you can't do that because if you do, it, it's 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 not going to work. They they don't know. What to do with everyone they didn't know then they don't know now uh you have to have some kind of input you you have to take control of of who you are. you don't want to be a pain in the ass, but you got to be a pain in the ass and you got to do it uh uh diplomatically and you have to do it the right way business wise but that's where the manipulation backstage goes it's 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 a it's a game. It's a work, and it's not just wrestling, it's life it's It's everything you know, we come in touch with. everybody is uh you, you know life's a, a stage, and we're all just performing that, and that's kind of the way I look at it and you know you can you can challenge me on that, but then i'll I'll introduce you to people I know that that are lying to our faces, and um whether they they know they're lying or not, whether they're making promises they can't keep or over-promising and under-delivering, whatever it is. I mean, Barry was one of those guys that didn't want to make waves. He just wanted to wrestle. Uh, he had the size, and then they put him in with a, a horrible gimmick. Not a horrible gimmick, but it wasn't the best gimmick. But who hasn't been in one of those gimmicks that, that managed to break away once he made the uh, the allies, uh, shall I say, he needed to make and that that's how it was working back then you know if you if you had allies and people going to bat for you, then it's always been like that though John that's the thing it's it it's there's nothing different. It's been like that since I've been in, and um I don't know necessarily <laughs> I can't say factually how it is now. I don't discuss business with uh uh Bruce or anybody else on that fact unless I have to. unless it's uh, concerning something that doesn't concern personalities and things like that. So I think Barry just got um, caught up in in, in the system and the way it goes. He just didn't say no, and he was happy to be there. And you can't be just happy to be there. You have to be assertive. You have to be uh, uh, on top of what – is happening in your career and your life. There, if you're not, nobody else will. Trust me. If you don't look out for you, there
1: is no one else that will. The next matchup: MTW heavyweight title. That is the Midwest Territorial Wrestling heavyweight championship. Al Snow. Yes, that's right. Al Snow defeats Marty Gennetti for the title. Gennetty was the champion going in, so Al Snow is the new MTW heavyweight champion in a match that goes a half an hour. Wow. Jeez Louise. What do you think about these two guys?
0: Uh again, yeah, two great workers, two great guys.
1: Uh Marty was in his
0: predicament. Um back then. Al was uh, I, I think just becoming a lesser-known secret, and uh, people were beginning to hear about him. But, um, my God, both of those guys can go out and and uh, put on a clinic. And I think I didn't see the match that night, but I'm pretty sure they did. And, you know, that was, again, guys like Al and, and Marty could uh, go out with a crowd like Knoxville who appreciates wrestling, who appreciates – uh, going out there and presenting it the way it was presented, you know, wrestling the way it used to be, in the way you like it, or whatever it was called, the way you like it, the way, or the way it used to be, in the way you like it. That's what it was. Okay, Smoky Mountain wrestling. Um, you know, those these were still wrestling fans, and Al and Marty gave them wrestling, and the whole card. If if you look at it, the whole card was booked uh, for wrestling fans, and and Jim did it that way because. Uh, Jim's a wrestling fan. Jim from the South, and he knew what, what the Southern fans wanted to see. And by God, in 1995, I believe they still wanted to see professional wrestling, and they did. So I think Al and Marty were a great match to have on that card. I, I don't think they disappointed anybody with 30 minutes of wrestling. Two
1: guys, great workers, almost underrated and two guys who not long after that would become the new rockers in the WWF. So a lot of people in the WWF world were definitely paying attention to those two. Marty definitely was one of the most underrated guys. People always make that joke about the rockers and Michaels and Jenny, to be honest, Gennetti was just maybe more of a politician and maybe cleaned up some of his you know extracurricular stuff. I can't see why he's not better than Shawn Michaels to you know to a certain extent. Well,
0: uh, you know, here here that's 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 a
1: that's an excellent point
0: and statement because Marty was certainly talented and could do just as much as Sean. But uh I think Marty was more laid back in the sense that, hey, you know, I I want to go and wrestle i want to do my job want to have great matches i want to make money yes i know it's a business but at the same time uh i think marty's one of those guys that doesn't like to be told what to do or talked down to disrespected whatever you want to say and many times um Many times <laughs> I've seen it and I've done it too many times, or I've had it done too many times, where you have to
1: um,
0: bite your tongue and and you have to uh, learn how to how to how to manipulate maneuver. And I don't think Marty want to take the time for that. And and I certainly understand that attitude. You know, just you you want to wrestle, you want to do your thing. And uh, uh, can can we do this? I have the ability in the ring, but you know you have to. You have to have allies in the back, and you have to uh, you have to do what you have to do to get those allies and friends and and people to support you because nobody does it alone. Nobody does it alone, and uh, and somebody has to uh, has to know they can depend on you. And if they see you in a compromised state, and uh, you have to understand, not everybody's your friend, even though they may say they're they're your friend, they're not. And if you're you're out and uh, happen to be involved in whatever it may be, and someone sees it and happens to mention it and embellish or or not embellish or whatever, uh, you know that that's the way it goes. And it's just who whoever happens to be around at the time, I guess, and whoever happens to have a stroke at the time. It matters, and that that could be it, or it could just be Marty's own undoing. You know, who knows? I mean, we can surmise that all day, too. But but Marty was underrated, in my opinion, and, and for many years, so was Al Snow.
1: The next match up is for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. The champion, Dan the Beast Severin, defeats the legend Bobby ablaze. What do you think about Severn? Because obviously him and Cornette had a great relationship. Kind of was uh, holding the NWA down for a while. After Shane Douglas threw down the NWA title in 94, I think people completely forgot about the NWA. But Severn was one of those guys that was holding the title for a while, trying to keep the NWA and the NWA title afloat. So what do you think about the Beast? Uh, You know, Dan is one of those unassuming nice guys that
0: will – uh, eat you alive if needed, and that's the scary part about him. Is he's so calm, reassuring, and and easygoing that he almost disarms you. And um, one of those guys that, that I just took for granted could snap in a minute. And I've seen him before, and I've I've been around people like that before, where um you you don't. You don't realize how terrifying and how uh, uh, much of a beast they can really be until it, it's too late. And Dan was that kind of guy, which which he showed off when he got in the ring, uh, and not just MMA, but in, in wrestling. I mean, pro wrestling. He was he was pretty, um, I guess, not as exciting as most, and he, and it it wasn't a natural uh environment for dan to be in he wasn't i don't think he ever got completely comfortable in the ring but but his his uh credentials backed up anybody backed up anything anybody wanted to uh, critique him about or say about he could uh he could go with with anybody and not have a problem if they wanted to uh, try him or not he was a perfect guy for the NWA to have at that time as their champion because you're right, they were they were pretty much nothing. They they were just not even drifting. I don't even know if they were on any kind of map anywhere. But once Dan got it, um, you know, his credentials spoke for 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 themselves. And uh so I like Dan personally. I just don't I don't think and I don't believe that his in ring ability um was going to cross over into a major star in professional wrestling, but uh, as far as as far as performances went, but as far as credibility went, he certainly had all the all the accolades and credibility
1: um, and then some. His opponent, Bobby Blaze, who takes the big loss in this one, kind of weird that we haven't really talked to him other than kind of in passing, but what are your thoughts on Bobby Blaze, the former Smoky Mountain heavyweight champion?
0: Bobby was one of those good old boys, and I believe he's from Kentucky. Is that right? Yes, I, I believe I so, yeah. I, yeah. I believe so, too, because we, we talked a couple of years ago in uh, Winston-Salem, and I had not seen him for years, but he was another nice guy who just wanted to wrestle. But when he went out there, he was one of those guys... Um. I'm going to use a reference here that no one will get, but he's one of those guys like uh, Don Slatten was in Abilene, Texas. Don Slatten was known as the lawman. And he wasn't over anywhere else but Abilene, Texas, because he he built it up and he built his reputation. And Bobby was kind of like that in the sense that, when he went out to the ring, the people knew he was one of them, and he fought for them. And, you, and he was a down-home, down-to-earth, off oh shucks, good old boy kind of guy. And people, it wasn't manufactured. It was real. And And when he talked to people, he talked to them sincerely, and they appreciated that. And you can feel it oozing from him. I felt it when we were talking talking in the restaurant in, in uh, Winston-Salem. And he was... Uh, I want to say the most unlikely guy to be Smoky Mountain champion, but at the same time, he was the perfect guy to be Smoky Mountain champion because he was one of the people. The people knew it when he, when he talked on TV, when he, when he left the, the arenas, he would, he would uh, stop and talk to people and, and never rush. And it was, he was at that, that, hometown hero type guy. And he's a legitimate nice guy. He he was uh uh real and authentic and, and that that uh, translated when he when he was uh Smoky Mountain champion. So I, I liked uh Bobby uh Blaze. He was I thought he was good for the time period and I thought he was good for the championship.
1: Now, the next match up is the Militia, an interesting tag team of Terry Gordy and Tommy Rich. They defeat Boo Bradley and the Mongolian Stomper. Kind of an interesting match, almost seems a little thrown together, but great to get Gordy and Tommy Rich on the card. What are your thoughts on this kind of mishmash but somewhat legendary tag team?
0: Well, once again, Stomper had been a, a legend in in the, in the Southeast for so long, and Boo Bradley had been an uh, uh, unlikely babyface here, and and uh, he he was such a such <laughs> such a character, and the Stomper was was a character, and and so in that sense, that that team fit. And, and then you look across the ring and see Terry Gordy and Tommy Wildfire, Rich, and. Uh, uh, Tommy obviously has had, um, what was older and wasn't the same wildfire, you know, as he was 15 years earlier, obviously, but, but he was still wildfire Tommy rich and, and Terry Gordy was still Terry Gordy. And, and just, I think the image of all four guys in the ring, uh, told the story in itself and especially, they they all four had wrestled in this area before, had reputations, and uh the anticipation for the match was strong, no doubt. Uh but once again, um they 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 were the kind of guys who they, you knew you weren't gonna go out and trade hammer locks and toe holds or headlocks. You know, it was gonna be a brawl pretty much and, and that's why it was uh I think uh, matched that way and laid out that way, and uh, and I would suggest that that uh, everybody <laughs> got their money's worth that
1: night. Now the next matchup is USWA Heavyweight Championship. Brad Armstrong, who we've talked about quite a bit on the show, absolute legend. What an uh, underrated guy. Speaking of underrated guys, uh, totally underrated. Defeats Billy Jack Haynes. USWA Heavyweight Championship so Brad is the new champ and the crazy man himself, Billy Jack Haynes, is uh, is the loser on this one. This is just one of those things, it's like, oh wow, I didn't really kind of realize that these two had crossed paths and wrestled before. That's an interesting matchup. I'm sure Brad was able to carry him, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of an interesting pairing thrown out there. I,
0: I, I certainly agree with that. I, I agree. It was an interesting pairing and, and Billy Jack, especially being in the Southeast after, uh, living in, in Portland
1: all mm-hmm. his life.
0: And, and, you know, just a couple, uh, jaunts, uh, elsewhere in, in Florida and New York, but, but yeah, Jim was, was trying to put together a card that uh, would appeal to, uh, to, to many curious wrestling fans. And Brad uh, and, and Billy Jack, uh, I think if, if anybody could, could reach Billy Jack um, without a cell phone, it would be Brad. I mean, he, he would know exactly what planet Billy was on. And uh Brad could send out his brain uh brain waves and connect. And, I mean they and and no doubt Brad could do that with anybody. He just he, he knew how to uh get the best out of out of anybody stepped in the ring with and Billy I think was no exception, you know, and Billy for all his lunacy in, in the years uh prior and and, and and present, um I have seen him uh completely a raving lunatic and go out and have a hell of a match. So um, that, that certainly was, I think just probably made for the boys or probably made for Cornette's uh, um, entertainment too. I don't know, but uh, again, I didn't see the match, but I think that uh, Brad Armstrong was certainly the guy uh, to put in the ring with a guy like Billy Jack, because I don't know how, how, Jim might have felt about Billy Jack at that time, but you had to trust the guy, and uh, you had to trust the other guy who was going to take the title, and And I'm sure when he brought Billy in, Jim trusted him, and he knew he could trust Brad,
1: so um, that was that. So when we talk about the Super Bowl of Wrestling, not only is it Smoky Mountain, USWA, NTW, NWA, there also is the WWF element, which is very interesting. So, I mean, really, if you say Super Bowl of Wrestling, it really is a Super Bowl of Wrestling because you get The Undertaker defeating Unabomb, a.k.a. Kane, in a pretty lengthy match. And it's one of those matches where this match got Kane noticed, Undertaker noticed him, Undertaker liked him. So it definitely put him on the map as far as because i know you know guys like jim ross and, and maybe pete michael psa's and vince eventually were onto to some of these guys on the show heavily watching it so what are your thoughts on undertaker defeating Unibom and Unibom aka kane getting noticed from this match
0: well that was the idea obviously
1: to uh bring taker in and
0: put glenn in a high profile match to show what he can do jimmy jimmy saw that right off the bat i think uh Anybody who saw Glenn Jacobs back then as Unabom knew uh, this guy had. Again, he, he, there there were there were people who who just uh, they look like they belong in the main event. They they don't belong in the first match. They don't they don't belong anywhere but the main event. And and that's what everyone thought when they saw Glenn. All he needed was experience and seasoning. And what a better way to get seasoned than have the Undertaker come in and and see how you work and um, fill you out, what your attitude and and how do you how do you carry yourself and and he got he got great marks when he went back. So um, that that was you know that was a huge part of the business that no longer exists, having a place for a guy like uh, a Kane or or Unabom to go and and be that before you become Isaac Yankum or or Cain. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, you, you get your you get your footing and and you get kind of a lay of the land and uh learn how to adapt and adjust and uh so that that was certainly the, the model back then to do. And I, I was glad it happened for him.
1: I just think it's great that Undertaker kind of develops a trust with this guy, you know, very early on and saying like, oh, that we could do something. And that doesn't necessarily click right away. Like you said, maybe you got to be fake diesel or Isaac Yankum for a while or something. It may not click right away, but something will click. And a guy like Undertaker who has so much clout. If he likes you, he trusts you. It's going to happen for you. And plus not only that, I mean, Kane is just awesome and and a gigantic guy. So, I mean, Vince is going to love him eventually too well yeah and there there've been a couple
0: gigantic guys that have come through and didn't work out but but uh again it, it it's all uh dependent upon the attitude the uh feeling the uh, all these all these unspoken elements that um yeah it's look yeah his great look look yeah yeah so yeah all these things are taken in consideration and uh Glenn passed them all
1: now love that match, but the next match may be the real main event. I know it's a semi-main event, but it may be the real main event of the evening. The Heavenly Bodies, the Gigolo at Jimmy Del Rey, the Doctor of Desire, Tom Preacher, defeat the Thugs, Dirty White Boy, and Tracy Smothers for the Smoky Mountain Championship. Tell us about this awesome title change and the real main event, even though it's a semi-main event, the real main event of the evening. Yeah,
0: well, uh, we were planning to uh, do something a little different in this, and uh, it was going to be the dirty white boy ramming my head in the turnbuckle. I believe we said 20 times. I haven't gone back and counted, but uh, I just remember, you know, uh, ramming my head into the turnbuckle, the top turnbuckle, 20 times. Or fifteen or twenty times. It was it was an a uh over the top amount to where you start and people don't really react and then all of a sudden as you go on about number eight, then they start reacting, and they keep going on, and then it gets louder and louder. And out of those the the uh result of being rammed in that turnbuckle twenty times resulted in a in a huge laceration on my forehead. And uh oh. Oh my goodness. Uh, I had seventeen hundred stitches, I think. And um the the other part of that match that was key uh was I was supposed to have Tracy Smothers throw me into uh the dirty white boy, give me a backdrop on the timekeepers table, and I was gonna break it. Uh but <laughs> but in the Knoxville Civic Coliseum they had the real heavy wooden table. So when I went to uh Uh, take the backdrop from white boy. He, uh, I slid instead of went through the table, real sweaty and, and all that stuff. It didn't, it didn't break the table. So we, that was, that was a huge part of the story we were trying to tell. And, uh, so Jimmy called an audible and says pile driver and Tracy came back and, and grabbed me and stood on the table and pile drove my head all the way through that table. And we broke it then, man, I tell you. So uh, it was. It I, I always worked well with uh, Tracy and Tony, and and I thought that was a good match. And the blood again, the blood, the breaking of the table, the the uh, the whole garnish that went along with that match fit what
1: we were trying to do. Such a awesome tag team to me, the Heavenly Bodies. It's just some of the stuff that you guys did, not, not only in that match, but just other matches I've seen. There's some awesome moves you guys do, and I just love it, and I could see somebody complaining about it. Uh, he, Gigolo, trying, damn it, I'm trying to think if it's you or Gigolo, now that I come to think of it, damn it. But one of you guys has the, other, has the opponent ready for a DDT. You clothesline your own <laughs> guy, and he gives him the DDT. It's just like, holy shit, what an awesome move. I, just, I know, I, just, wow. I absolutely love it no no
0: well i'll tell you this see because i thought about that and that was jimmy's idea too and i've been asked about that over the years too why would you close on your own partner to do that <laughs> and you know man because we thought of it and, and maybe we we're still drunk i don't know but uh yeah we look we, we could do this same match we did here in knoxville we can do it in boston or or god forbid the garden and we wouldn't get any reaction so i know we were an acquired taste i know we were southern style i know all that i mean i get all that and some of the stuff we did the tag teams i mean and the double team stuff yeah you know we we talked about it jim certainly helped us develop a lot of that stuff too but um i i look i i don't i'm not fooling myself that we were uh the rockers or uh the heart foundation demolition or uh uh, any of those, those teams in, in that vein, but for this, for the Southern uh, audiences who, who appreciated, <laughs> appreciated uh, territory wrestling and, and things that were done a little bit, you know, differently, I guess. Yeah. We, we, we could get away with stuff like that because they wouldn't question it, but every i I've, I've been asked that I can't tell you how many times over the years by the boys who have said, "Now let me get this straight, you, you go, you go letting your own partner." And I said, "Yeah, it was the spot at the time." So uh, I have no answers for a lot of that stuff, but I appreciate I appreciate when people say they liked it or, or did because I don't I don't hear that very often, but but I'm very happy when they
1: do. There is a current tag team that a lot of people, including myself, say is the best tag team wrestling in a very, very long time. And I know for a fact they're watching some Heavenly Body stuff, possibly uh, learning some stuff not only from the wrestling ring, but also from the ring jacket aspect. Oh, FT, yeah. FTR, they love you guys. Yeah, yeah, no, no, those guys are
0: great because they, they, they're they from the South. They appreciate that that style of uh, wrestling, and, and they make it look great. Yeah, they do, and they, they – they're great guys, man. I I I've seen them on on a few occasions. They've come to JPWa as well now. They certainly have. Oh. And they yeah, they they visited when Beth and uh Natty were training for WrestleMania and they also came when Edge was training uh for the comeback. We couldn't tell anybody that Edge was at JPWa. They didn't want anybody to know yet. So at the time we didn't mention it, but uh, both came for that as well When before Edge had the ring set up in the warehouse, and uh, they came to JPWA. They're really good guys, and um, they yeah, they told me that they watched us. Of course, uh, it was the Midnights and, and Rock and Roll that got them. They're from the Carolinas, but, mm-hmm. but we also came, and they, they've also been very, very nice about it. And those guys, yeah, those guys, if anyone, if anyone can – make a tag team resurgence happen, you know, with all the hell and brimstone going on right now in our world, it's, it's those guys. So yeah, yeah. No, I, they, they've been very cool about it. It's, it's, it's some of those other smart asses that I run into that want to ask me questions, but not, they're good smart asses though, because
1: they know they can ask me without me getting hot about it. Now, next up is the main event of the evening, the WWF Intercontinental Championship match. Look at Cornette being able to pull this one off. Shawn Michaels defeats Buddy Landell with Jim Cornette in his corner. Is that pretty damn cool that Cornette, obviously, you know, they're working hand in hand with WWF, but it's pretty cool. He says, hey, you know, give me Undertaker. Okay. Give me Shawn Michaels. Okay. And then we're going to have an IC title match. And Buddy Landell is lucky enough to, to kind of get that spot and be in the main event. But I think that's really cool that WBF not only lends some of their guys, but two of their top guys. Well, yeah, and and
0: the idea behind Buddy wrestling Sean uh, was Buddy, Buddy is a hometown favorite. Buddy was from Knoxville, and Buddy uh, had tons of potential growing up, and everyone knew him around town because he was one of those guys that just – shot his mouth off and was a high school football star and, uh, didn't go to college. He, he, he went and wrestled for Bill Watson, Louisiana, wrestled around here for a little bit and trained by a guy named Rick Connors. And, uh, he, so he had a bit of a, a storied life, uh, even before he got into wrestling around Knoxville. And then, uh, as happens with, with the best of us, um, he went out on the road and, uh, Found a big, a big, wide world with their arms wide open, saying, "Come over here, man. We got something for you." And uh, he tasted everything that was put in front of him, I guess. And uh, his 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 reputation grew bigger and badder and worse as he as he went down the line. And now all of a sudden, here he is, looking for salvation and Smoky out wrestling looking for salvation in his hometown and Cornette had him make this uh promo on uh, leading up to the match that uh where buddy said he was his biggest enemy his worst enemy he he was, he was the guy you had to look in the mirror and face it and uh, all the demons that, that have that have uh, crossed his path and entered his life yeah, He's he's turned it around and He's going to turn it around by winning the Intercontinental Championship from the man himself, Shawn Michaels. And uh, so that that was the story going in. That's why that was definitely the main event. Hometown hero, hometown boy who uh, you know went astray and then uh, found his way back, and and here he is for redemption. And he's going to beat uh, Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. But but. Uh, it wasn't to be. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, Buddy was, <laughs> Buddy Buddy could be very misunderstood at times. And, and at, at other times, you understood him completely and you had to get away from it. But I don't think he meant any harm. I think he just got caught up in the, a lot of the, the vices and pleasures that, that are out on the road and out in life and in this, in this world. And, uh, uh, it, it, it was overwhelming at times, I think for him. So, so I, I, I believe at that time, Buddy was sincere about making a, a an honest effort at making a comeback at making a run in WWE. Uh, he actually had some shots and was, was, um, special watch I guess if you would and I was there he was riding with me the night he uh, slipped and fell and uh, hurt his knee in, in, this, in the lobby of the of the hotel I don't remember what town it was in I just remember we were riding and all of a sudden next thing I know I turned away and the next thing I know is Buddy is on the floor and he is selling like he's going to, to the electric chair man and I'm going oh no here we go and we got him back to the hotel, uh, got him in his room. The next day, we go to the airport. He's, he's got the wheelchair, gets on the plane. Next thing I know, he's going to st- st- do whatever. I don't know if he ever sued the hotel or not. But but come to find out, I think they had cameras, and uh, that might have curtailed that. So, so, but, but you know, Buddy... But he was the man for the Super Bowl of Wrestling. And uh, in his hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee, um, those 5,000 people who came out that night, I believe, were were looking for uh, the opportunity for history to be made in front of their naked, steaming eyes. And uh, it was,
1: but I don't know if it was what they were hoping for. Now, Shawn Michaels gets the win there and really ends the Super Bowl of Wrestling. Great show if you just look at it and look back. I I highly suggest if you could find it, probably YouTube uh, for people to go back and watch it because you get USWA, Smoky Mountain, MTW, NWA, and WWF all combined in one. So very, very cool, and uh, kudos to Cornette for being able to pull that off.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I certainly give kudos to him because he uh, uh he knew how to lay it out, he knew how to get everybody there, and uh, uh but of course you know that's what makes Jim Jim.
1: And I think that is a a great stopping point, and of course before we mentioned the sponsor of today's show was Bluetooth. Please use the promo code Doc. That's D O C. At the checkout, that is DOC, and that is the promo code. You pay just $5 shipping, and the item is basically free for you. All you have to do, like I said, is just use the promo code DOC at BlueQ.com. You
0: know, it is the first chewable with the same FDA-approved
1: active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Did you know that?
0: Yes, I did, yes. Ah, it's incredible.
1: It is incredible. Now, also, i got to mention this a complete one-year training curriculum and guide for beginners and seasoned pros, a pro wrestling curriculum. Advice, suggestions, and stories to help the aspiring pro get to the next level. How can the fans get this awesome book from Dr. Tom? You can Google or you can go to Amazon, pardon me, and uh,
0: just put in the search uh, uh, column. I'm sorry, I'm... I'm, I'm Thinking of something else right now, put in the search uh, column Dr. Tom's book or Tom Pritchard's book, and you can order it off Amazon.com, or you can send $25 to Dr. Tom Pritchard at AOL.com on PayPal, and I will personally sign you uh sign your name or sign and personally sign let me get this out a personally signed autograph book if you go to paypal it's dr tom pritchard at com. i will get this out in a minute so and also you know what man i mean have you really thought about this uh, you, you, blue chew is a great product i i, I really think it is and and Another great product that I have, uh, I think, going with us, too, uh, is Manscape, John. I haven't heard you really talk about that too much tonight, but I, oh, I, I just want to yes. mention about Manscaped, man, because accidents are finally a thing of the past. You don't have to use scissors. You don't have to use that old razor. You don't have to use anything like that. This has an LED light that illuminates. It 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 shines bright in the shower, in the dark, wherever you need it. Uh, Manscaped, with the... Uh, with our code Empire, is 20% off and free shipping if you use the code Empire. And I just want to mention that, too, before we, we got
1: too far along and saying hello, goodbye, and how are you, and all that stuff. Yes, cannot forget about Manscaped.com. You're right, 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Empire. Cannot forget about those great guys over at Manscaped, and cannot forget about Pro Wrestling Tees either. So go to ProWrestlingTees.com, go pick up a Dr. Tom shirt, pick up a a JPWA shirt. Also, while you're at it, go to Patreon. A page has been set up. You can become a patron and support the JPWA, and you can check out JPWrestlingAcademy.com for JPWA's website. You can check out myself on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip. You can check out Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Now, Dr. Tom, final thing, any other appearances? I know you got something going on very, very soon with Les Thatcher. We do, we do, we do. August
0: 8th and 9th, which is uh, this week, uh, Saturday and Sunday, Les Thatcher and I will be doing a camp at JPWA. It is sold out. We we can't take any more people. We're going to cram them in as it is right now. But, uh, yeah, 8th and ninth doing a camp. And, uh, again, August 31st begins our next 12-week session for JPWA. Please go to jpwrestlingacademy.com for all information. And uh, that's pretty much it for right now. And, once again, you never know who's going to walk through the doors of JP. W-A. It's been so cool. Just people curious, wanting to stop by, say hello, and see who we have uh,
1: hanging out with us. I love it, and thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. We will see you next week right here on Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.